Hello and welcome back to the Here We Go Again podcast, the official podcast of Bolton Wanderers. We've got a, another very special guest on today, Stelios. How are you, Stelios? Hello, nice to meet you. It's been a, it's been a pleasure uh, to give this interview to, to the club. So like I, I told you earlier, Stelios, it's, um, we're talking about your career in order from like, the start to the, to the finish. Um, we'll go back to, I believe, about 1992, the early, early 90s. You started off at... Ethnikos Astiras. I hope I've uh, pronounced yes. that correctly. Um, yes. was, was Very that good pronunciation. <laughs> Thank it's you. Cracking start, Luke. Yeah, it's a good start. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, was that was that semi-professional football, Stelios? Or was that professional? No, it was it was uh, semi-professional and uh, for one year. And uh, the next year we got promoted, so it was uh, one year semi-professional, and the next year was professional. Uh, how did you find? Playing semi-professional. What's the level like in in Greece? At sort of semi-professional level, borderline professional. Uh, I think it's uh, the same like worldwide. Uh, as you go past uh, the years, so the years that uh, uh, have gone uh, behind you, uh, you could say that uh, there was a little bit more quality in the players uh, that uh, they were starting or they wanting. They wanted to to have a a football career, a professional football football career, uh, and uh, the competition uh, between uh, the players was uh, really really hard, I should say. And as a young lad, how did you find the step up when when they got promoted, Ethnikos Asteras? How did you find the step up from semi-professional to professional football? Was it was it difficult step up? No, I wouldn't say it was difficult because uh, even if I was uh, before that, that I was uh, a small boy uh, and I played the amateur football uh, in, the, in my neighborhood, in uh, small academies uh, and, all, and all this, uh, my, my mind was a professional. Uh, in my mind, I was a professional football player, uh, even though I was not professional uh, uh, indeed, but uh, my... My approach to the game was 100% professional, and uh, this is one of the reasons that uh, I I got success in my career. So in Greece, like you said, uh, your mindset was professional, but to begin with, you weren't playing at professional level. In Greece, at the big clubs, did you ever have a chance to maybe join the academy at one of the big clubs, or was it always a case of playing amateur football first? No, I played amateur football, but at the same time, uh, you know, as a small uh, small boy that uh, loves foot, loves football, uh, it's around uh, the world the same. Uh, you want to go to a to a big club in your country, and uh, maybe if you are good enough, you can play for the national team. And if you are more uh, capable, you can uh, you can play abroad. Uh, this is the this is the dream of a young uh, small boy that uh, have dreams. To, to make a to make a football career, uh, so I was not an exception to the rule. I was in the same uh, situation. I I had dreams, and to be honest, I had big dreams because if you don't uh, dream big, you cannot achieve uh, a lot. Whatever you are doing, not only football, whatever you are doing in your life, uh, I, I should say. Uh, so it was my dream for me to to go one of the big clubs in Greece, and uh, I got trials as well, to all the three clubs uh, here in Athens, Panathinaikos, Olympiakos, and uh, Aikos. But unfortunately, 
I was rejected. Oh. So that was a, a very important uh, lesson to my career. And uh, uh, meaning what? Uh, meaning that uh, I, should I should try more, even harder. I should uh, give my 110%, not uh, 99%, in order to go a level higher and uh, try to achieve uh, what I wanted for my career. So it was not easy. Obviously, in the end, you ended up playing for the top club in Greece, Olympiakos, but it was a climb, wasn't it, from, from where you started? The next step up for you then was, let me see if I can pronounce Panil this correctly. Paniliakos. Paniliakos, yes. Um, how, how big of a step up was that from your previous club? Was it a, a big step up, a small step up? Uh, it was a small step regarding the, the division because uh, I left uh, from third division to join another third uh, division club. So it was the same, uh, the same division clubs. But uh, the potential of uh, Paniliakos, my, my second club, was uh, much, uh, much bigger. Uh, with uh, lots of supporters, with, uh, with a president uh, that uh, he, had, uh, um, he had a dream to, to drive the club uh, to, the, to the first division in the Greek Super League. And uh, with very, very good players, uh, very good transfers for that, uh, that era. So he didn't, uh, he didn't mind to put uh, his hand deep in the pocket in order to, to invest into the club. And uh, obviously that uh, big, invest, uh, big investment that he had uh, with uh, not only players that, uh, that came, uh, but uh, managers as well. Uh, finally paid off. Three seasons, I believe, with the club. And if my research is correct, 26 goals during that time. Were you pleased with the progress you were making, Stelios, in your career? Did you feel like you were moving closer and closer to playing in, in the top flight in Greece? Yes, because all the, all the signs uh, were there. Uh, you know, I, I had the consistency. I didn't, uh, I didn't lose games. I didn't have injuries. I was playing uh, week in, week out. Uh, I was scoring goals. I had, uh, you know, good, uh, good appearance on the pitch. Um, and all this consistency in the end uh, pays off. Uh, and uh, to be honest, if you don't have consistency in, the, in this game, uh, you cannot go up to, to a different level. Did the promotion in 1995, Paniliakos were promoted, did that help to boost your profile? Were more people watching Stelios Yanakopoulos after, after that promotion? Yes, of course. It was, um, it was a showcase for uh, not only for myself and for other players that uh, were in the club uh, them days. And uh, one uh, bigger step that came uh, along was uh, my call, uh, my international call in the under 21s, and uh, in the first team uh, uh, just after that. So um, when you are about uh, 20 years old and you play first division in your country, and, uh, you join the national team as well. You know you're you're catching the eye, I should say. And then of course you got your move to Olympiakos the biggest club in Greece, you'd have to say. Were, were there other options for you at that time? Was Olympiakos the absolute best option for you at that time? 
obviously the top club in Greece. Uh, at that uh, at that period, I should say Olympiakos was not uh, the top club in Greece. Uh, of course, it's, uh, it was top name in Greece, but uh, the top club in Greece uh, them days was uh, Panathinaikos, who who was playing uh, uh, year in year out in the Champions League, and uh, he had uh, and Pan it had a great run uh, the the year before. Uh, they played against Ajax. In the semi-final, and was uh, one step away from the Champions League final. So, uh, them days, the big, big name uh, with a very good uh, run in in Europe was Panathinaikos. But uh, I decided to to join Olympiakos because I could see the potential coming. I could see the investment of the of the president uh, was uh, huge. Uh, he didn't. Uh, uh, by only me, he bought uh, uh, Predar Djordjevic, who was uh, a teammate in Panilliakos with me. So we joined together to Olympiakos, and uh, he he also bought uh, some other good players that uh, made Olympiakos uh, a massive club. Yeah, to sign for a club of that size, Olympiakos, just 21 years old, it must have been a, a hugely proud moment for you. Were there a lot more opportunities for you, Stelios, as well at a club like Olympiakos? Because there may have been other offers on the on the table, but especially yes, that club, had, day, you could have been playing every week. I had I had the offer from Panathinaikos and Ajax Athens uh, at the same time, uh, so it was a. Uh, I bet they wished they got you when you were a bit younger. It was a crazy. It was a crazy summer for me because uh, at them days, you know, uh, you didn't have the mobiles, you didn't have uh, this type of communication. So it was only my landline, and uh, uh, the it was like uh, the prime minister's uh, office. Uh, my my telephone <laughs> in, uh, at home. So it, it was a very busy summer for me, and uh, I had to. I had to decide uh, what was uh, the best option for uh, for me and my career, and I decided to to sign for uh, Olympiakos. And looking at the the statistics, that when I was looking back earlier at your career, it looks like the, you were playing straight away at Olympiakos. It seems like you settled in pretty quickly. Uh, it was not so easy as the numbers say. You know, you need to put a lot of effort in. Uh, in the training, you need to convince uh, the very, very demanding uh, crowd. It's a very heavy shirt here in Greece, Olympiakos. Uh, they push all the time for uh, champions. They push for a Champions League. They, they push for the, the double, for winning the, the league and the, and the cup. Uh, so they are going for every trophy available in, the, in all competitions. So the expectation is very, very high. And uh, you cannot uh, settle yourself. You cannot uh, lay down and uh, take it easy. You have to be alert at all times, week in, week out, every day. Your diet, your your training, your night sleep. Everything it must be at the at the highest level in order to to do something well. Yeah, you you said earlier on that from the beginning you had a professional mindset. Was Olympiakos? A, even a bigger step up in the mindset, or did you already have the right mindset to be playing for a club like that? I think, I think, uh, of course, the demand, as I said before, uh, was very, very high and still is. Uh, but it was uh, very, very helpful for uh, myself in order to adjust in the new, 
new way of living and wearing the Olympiakos shirt, it was very, very helpful because I had this mindset from an early age. So it helped me a lot. In your second season at Olympiakos, I believe you scored the club's first ever goal in the Champions League against Porto. Um, that must have been a special moment and a special goal as well, a lob from 40 yards out. Yeah, it was, uh, it was our first uh, game, my first game, the club's uh, first game in the Champions League. Uh, what a way first to goal. make mark. And, uh, you know, it was an amazing night for me. And uh, it still is because uh, the other day I got an email from uh, UEFA saying that, uh, congratulations, uh, I'm on the tw top 20 ever uh, uh, in the goals in the Champions League, the most beautiful goals in the Champions League. I'm the, in the 20th uh, place. So it's a great achievement for, uh, for me, for the club uh, and for Greece as well, for Greek football. Seven seasons with Olympiakos, and remarkably, you managed to win the league every single year during that time. I mean, I didn't quite know how successful Panathinaikos were just before you signed for Olympiakos. So, I mean, that makes the achievement even bigger. Why were the teams so successful during that era? Why? <laughs> um... We had a very, very good president to first to begin with, uh, who loved the club, Mr. Kokalis, Papis Kokalis. And uh, he obviously invested a lot uh, in the team. He brought uh, very, very, he brought uh, Giovanni Silva de Oliveira from Barcelona. He brought uh, Christian Carembe. Uh, from uh, from Middlesbrough and uh, Real Madrid. Uh, he brought uh, after Rivaldo from uh, Barcelona as well. He brought uh, Zlatko Zakovic. He, he brought uh, Zé Elias from uh, national team of Brazil and uh, Inter Milan. So all these are uh, plenty plenty millions of uh, of euros. I guess that helps, doesn't it? When you've got and he had uh, as well. We had. We had fantastic coaches as well uh, in that period, so it was a, a, the perfect combination, the perfect marriage uh, alongside with uh, crazy and uh, millions of uh, crazy fans that uh, were packing Olympic stations, uh, who were playing the league or were playing at uh, the Greek league. Uh, the capacity of the Olympic Stadium uh, was always there. Uh, they were the 12th player of, of the club all the all the time, and you know if you make this uh, combination and you put all these elements uh, together, you get a successful team. You mentioned there about the fans being the 12th player. I mean, obviously, I've never been to a Greek football match, but it seems that the fans are very very passionate. The big derby matches against Panathinaikos and AK Athens. What what were those like to play in? Because I imagine those were, were tremendous games to play in. Uh, this is my my direction to you. If you haven't been in that uh, game, the Greek Classico, Panathinaikos against Olympiakos, uh, you should try a trip uh, to see the Acropolis, to see the Greek islands and uh, combine uh, the Greek class as well. So you cannot miss this game. Uh, so it's, 
it's a massive it's a massive derby in uh, in Greece. Uh, it's a Greek classical, uh, so uh, everyone everyone remembers uh, this type of games. As well, the UEFA Champions League games. I mean, those sort of games are sort of made for like evening fixtures in front of a passionate fan base. I bet as well, I bet those games were incredible to play in front of those fans on an evening in the Champions League. Must have been great. You know, there's the is the best football, I should say. It's uh, the best competition. It's a dream competition. The whole setup, you know, from uh, even from the the way of the advertisements around the stadium, the Champions League symbol, the Champions League anthem. You know, it's uh, it's like playing for your for your country. It's it's unbelievable, uh, uh, and uh, it's an extra motivation for the player to to play in this competition and give his everything uh, for the club. Because when you finish your career, this is the these are the games that uh, that you remember the most. Signing for Bolton in, in the summer of two thousand and three. Again, if you can just just go through the reasons as to why he decided to come to England and sign for the club. Uh, yes, it was a big dilemma for uh, for myself because, from the one hand, I had uh, a fantastic offer from uh, Olympiacos to continue uh, serving the club, and uh, from the other hand, uh, I had uh, the great opportunity to to join uh, the best league in the world, which is the Premier League. And uh, I didn't uh, I didn't thought much. It was uh, very, very clear for me that uh, I wanted to give uh, give a try and uh, see what I can do in the in the Premier League, which is the hardest league in the world, uh, the most physical. And uh, it was like a personal bet, personal bet for me to see if I can I can make it in England. Yeah, during your career, did you always have that in the back of your mind that you know once you succeeded in Greece, you wanted to maybe go abroad to Spain or England or Italy and and see if you can do well. Yes, that was my dream, and uh, hopefully <laughs> it came true. <laughs> yeah, we think it did. Still, has to be fair. Did ever so well. Um, so Sam Allardyce, um, a, a big character, obviously a successful manager. Had a, he's had a great career. Did really well with Bolton. What was he like to work with, and and was he important in convincing you to come and sign for, for his club, Bolton Wanderers? Yes, uh, to be honest, uh, before I signed for the club, uh, I didn't know much uh, about uh, Big Sam, and uh, only from uh, from rumors, you know, from information, uh, what he like and uh, what kind of man or manager he is, uh, etc. And uh, this is the truth uh, about uh, this subject. Uh, when uh, I really met him and uh, saw how his approach in the training and the games is, I immediately saw that uh, he's a guy much ahead of his time with uh, fantastic uh, ideas about uh, backroom staff, about uh, approaching uh, to the game, about stats, and about uh, recovery as well. Uh, I didn't see in my, I haven't seen in my career so far, uh, so very 
forward thinking, uh, not only Big Sam and the other guys uh, in the dressing room, you know, the physios, uh, uh, everybody, everybody in the kitchen, in the, in the canteen, uh, the perfect food. You know, everything was a very, very well detailed planned in order to, to, make, a, to make the team successful. And, uh, you know, if you don't pay attention to the details, even the slightest, the smallest detail, you cannot get forward. How much do you think those fine details help Bolton to sort of get the edge in the Premier League? It's such a competitive league, a lot of top, top quality players, top teams. How much do you think that helped Bolton to be successful in, in a really difficult league? Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you need to get everything uh, well done. Uh, you have uh, to do your preparation uh, 100% and your focus to be 100%. Uh, you have to, to read the opposition uh, 100% before the games. Uh, you need uh, to get rest. You need to get your feedback uh, from the previous game in order to take it to the next game. Uh, you, you, you need to be physically and mentally 100% prepared to, to produce uh, in the maximum of your ability. And uh, all the, these uh, details uh, on and off the pitch uh, can make the difference. And I think we ticked all the boxes, I should say, in, uh, in, that, uh, in that period, in that uh, five years uh, that I was playing for the club. This was the secret of the club. Uh, everybody was, uh, was together. Nobody was above the team. Everybody was under the team, under the, the Bolton flag, I should say. And everybody was uh, given 100%, even if they were playing uh, 90 minutes, 5 minutes, or uh, was not playing at all. Uh, this, is the, this is how a team uh, should be, and uh, this was the secret of the club all these years. One thing that we will point out, Stella, before we move on, is your T-shirt, because people might just be listening to this on the podcast, so just tell the listeners about what T-shirt you're wearing. My T-shirt is this one. Branded BWFC's top right there. You can't get that in yes. stock anymore. Absolutely fantastic. One of the best, one of the best T-shirts ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, sorry that uh, it's out of stock because I bought uh, every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh. In every color. <laughs> fantastic. Stelios, your first season at the club was the 2003-04 season. We'll talk about the summer of 2004 a little bit later on, which, of course, was a memorable one. The first season, the club finished eighth in the league, reached the League Cup final. How did you find your first season? And was it slightly disappointing? Was it a little element of disappointment with the fact that you couldn't win the League Cup? Hey, he became an instant hero that season, Luke. He scored the equaliser against Blackburn in January. You don't need to do any more. And then we got a winner. Hey, listen, uh, how did you find the, summer, the summer of 2004 was uh, the season that uh, I didn't have, I didn't accomplish uh, something uh, good uh, with, uh, with my club, with the club I was playing. And uh, this was Bolton. Because uh, the previous years I was winning uh, every year the, the league with Olympiacos. So I was, uh, you know, I was a little bit uh, frustrated because I didn't lift the trophy in, uh, in the final against uh, Middlesbrough in Cardiff. But uh, as you said before, 
uh, I was not uh, without a trophy because uh, in the summer of 2004 we we did something amazing with uh, my national team. So 2004 was uh, one more year with a trophy for me. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll go into a bit more detail about Euro 2004, special tournament obviously for Greece. Um, that first season at Bolton, how did you find it? Did, did you think you settled in quickly or did you adapt quickly? Did you find it? How did you find it? Um, you know, it was not easy. It was not easy. I, I knew uh, from the beginning that uh, it was going to be tough. I knew because I was uh, talking with uh, Nikos Dabizas that he was playing for Newcastle mm -hmm. uh, uh, them days. So I was very, very well uh, prepared uh, mentally what I'm going to, to see when I come to England. So I was, um, my mindset was, was there. So the question for me, because uh, my body is not uh, the big guy, the physical guy, you know, I'm a little bit more uh, short, more elegant, more uh, flexible. Uh, the question for me was that uh, if I could cope with the physical presence, uh, of the opposition and the, the pace of the game. And that was the big question for me, but I think uh, after the first uh, two, three months, uh, I, do, I didn't have, I didn't seem to have uh, any, any real problems. We'll talk about the summer of 2004. I remember watching this tournament, Stelios, obviously as an England fan. And the way that Greece went about the business that year. Nobody expected Greece to win the tournament. I think probably many people expected the likes of Portugal, the likes of France, even England to an extent to maybe win the tournament. How did, what, what were the ingredients to Greece winning the trophy that year? Why were you, why were you so successful in the end? Well, as I said before, uh, it, it's not a secret uh, in football. You, you don't, they're not secrets. Uh, if uh, you do everything right, um, the preparation is there, the talent and the ambition is there, the team spirit and team mentality is there, the self-belief is there, the dream and the drive is there. Um, I think you have the perfect combination. Uh, you need a, a little bit of luck that uh, we had in a couple of uh, situations during uh, one, two games, but uh, if you are not good, their luck uh, is not with you. So you cannot be lucky all the time and uh, it cannot be coincidence all the time in your favor. So I'm saying that uh, it, was not a, it was not lucky that uh, we won uh, the Euro 2004. We were consistent. We played uh, very well, very good and organized uh, football uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, we capitalized the, the opportunities that we created, and uh, that was that. Now, it was, a, it was a very difficult group that you had to get through. Portugal, the hosts, a lot of top players. There was Spain in the group as well, and Russia. Yes. Once you'd qualified from that group, was, was it at that point that you realized that you had a chance of winning the tournament, or, or did you still not? No. That at that point? No. No, 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 no. At this point, uh, you just uh, realize that uh, you have made your mark, I should say. The point uh, that you realize that uh, you are going uh, to do something bigger in the competition 
is the, the game against France, which is the, a key game for us because we were playing the, the World Cup winners and the Euro winners. Oh, yeah. uh, so that was a, a big plus for us. And uh, if you can uh, achieve uh, and pass against France, you go to the next round. This was the sign, this was the, the trigger that uh, we could go and uh, do all the way. Yeah, I guess after, after beating France, I think France probably on paper had the best team at the tournament, man for man. I guess after, yes. beating, a te- after beating a team like that with the likes of Thierry Henry and Nadine Zidane, players like this, you probably thought that you could beat anybody. Yes, it was uh, a brilliant side uh, with uh, fantastic players, all the, in the top, uh, in the peak of the careers, everybody of them. And uh, the same exists uh, for Portugal as well, because don't forget, we played Portugal on the opening game, we beat them, and on the final, and we beat them again. So it was not only Cristiano Ronaldo that, uh, of course, yes, he was uh, very, very young. He was 20 years old. But uh, they had uh, Deco, Figo, uh, Pauleta, Rui Costa. <laughs> Unbelievable. They, they there's, a few, like, uh, there's a few European championships there. At, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Champions League medals, sorry, there in that team. Exactly. Exactly. Spot on. Spot on. So it's, it was... Uh, we say that uh, the greatness of the, the the greatness of the defeated is the glory of the of the winner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, this is how they, they say it's fantastic teams and two oppositions to to play against. So going into the final, obviously the tournaments in Portugal, everyone even watching the final, everyone probably expects Portugal to win the game despite the fact that Greece beat Portugal in the group, did the winning the group stage give you guys as a team a little bit of an edge going into the final? Did, was it a little bit of a confidence boost in your head that you'd already played these guys and you'd already beaten them? In their own backyard as well. Of course. Of course, of course. It was a massive boost for us because uh, not only we managed to to get past of the, of the group stage, we, we managed to get through against France and the Czech Republic. And uh, for many, in them days, uh, they thought that the Czech Republic was the, the big favour to favourite to, to win, to lift the trophy. Mm. The Czech Republic. Was still playing um, it was a fantastic side uh, with uh, Pavel Nedved, uh, uh, Milan Baros, this kind of players, you know. Uh, so uh, Peter check on the on the goal. So when we managed to go to the final, sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, Star studied lineups for for sure. A lot of quality in those teams, and you've dispatched them all. Yeah. Yes, yes. So in the final, uh, we. We could see in the in the faces of the Portuguese players that uh, they were afraid. They were not uh, they were not feeling uh, you know confident. And uh, on the other side, uh, if you walk uh, through the highlights and you see the two teams uh, entering the pitch, and uh, in the middle you can see the trophy. If you see how the two first eleven go into the pitch, how our faces are, and how the Portuguese faces are. You could immediately tell the difference 
you could uh, easily say that uh, the game was in Greece and not, and not in Portugal. You could uh, easily say that uh, only our fans uh, were uh, loud enough. You couldn't see, you couldn't hear any Portuguese, uh, you know, songs or uh, cheerings. So everything was uh, with our side. We had a fantastic psychology. The morale was uh, sky high, and uh, that uh, played its role into the pitch as well. Do you think it probably? played against them a little bit, the fact that it was in Portugal, because if you think about it, Portugal going into a final with Greece, Portugal the favourites to win the game, the game's in Portugal, a lot of pressure on that team to win that game. Do you reckon it was just a case of they, they couldn't cope with the pressure? And on the flip side, that Greece were playing with absolutely no fear. Exactly, exactly. We didn't have no fear, but at the same time, at the same time, we had a massive belief that the trophy was ours. I cannot give you in words how we, how we were feeling. You have to play it. You have to be there to, to, understand, to understand what were our feelings were in the, during the game and before the game. You could tell that uh, our psychology was much, much better and uh, we wanted to leave the trophy. Even even we're playing at their, uh, at their place, we wanted more to, to leave the trophy from them. And I asked Yori Jorke a similar question because he obviously lifted the uh, World Cup in 1998 and the European Championship in 2000. And I asked him, in 98, when France beat Brazil, how did it feel to lift the trophy? So the question to you is, how did it feel to lift that trophy in 2004? You cannot express in words the, the feeling. It's... Uh... You feel like a bird, like you, you fly in the sky. You feel uh, something unique mm. uh, that only football can give these uh, this, this moments. And it's, it's only seconds of uh, glory and, uh, you know, happiness. It's, uh, you cannot describe in words the happiness and the glory and the, the relief uh, that kind of trophy gives you. For your career, for you, you—it's like you—you you make a rewind when you were a small boy, as we started the interview with. Mm -hmm. And uh, what does a small boy, when he wants to be a footballer, want from his career? He wants this. Yeah, exactly. To live this kind of moments, and mm -hmm. uh, I was living this kind of moments that even for my my dream was not so big for my career because. I had the, I had I knew that uh, I come from Greece. I knew that Greece wouldn't have the kind of uh, success. So it was uh, it was even higher the the feeling for me. What I was going to say there is another thing that I imagine is hard to describe is when you when the plane landed in Greece, <laughs> the celebrations in Athens, I imagine those were like nothing you've seen before. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, even uh, we were speaking on the phone uh, with our relatives back home and uh, they were telling us uh, what's happening in... Uh, 
your character and the characteristics of uh, the Greek people, how passionate they are and uh, how how they express their feelings. But uh, we we didn't expect uh, this kind of reception when we got back. It was unbelievable. It's uh, a reception that uh, I will always uh, remember from the from the airport until the the ancient stadium, the Panathinaiko Stadium. Uh, normally, you take 45 minutes to to go there. Uh, I think it took us uh, four hours to to manage to to reach the stadium. It was millions of people. Absolutely crazy. I mean, before we go back to your time at Bolton, just one last question. I, I think it'd be fair to say, Stelios, that you were part of the most, probably the most successful Greece team of all time. Would, it, would that be fair to say? You know, it would be, you could say that. But on the other hand, uh, a lot of uh, people and uh, Greek fans uh, could say that uh, they have seen uh, better players that uh, didn't leave uh, trophies. But unfortunately, in our sport, it's a team sport. It's not a single guy's uh, sport. So it's a collective thing. And uh, when you lift uh, this kind of trophy, uh, at the same time, uh, automatically, you become uh, the best uh, national team ever in the Greek football. Absolutely. As you should be, in my opinion. Trophies speak louder than any other thing. Exactly. And you speak uh, better English than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think your English is spot on. I do else. too. I really do. Um, oh, I, I need a couple of months in, uh, in the city in order to, you know, to find my steps again. <laughs> Get that Boltonian accent back. I understand you completely. Yeah. The bush, the bush and the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The second season, Stelios at Bolton, 2004-05. The team obviously qualified for the UEFA Cup for the first time ever. How special an achievement was that? Could you sense that in the change room that you, you'd done something special by guiding Bolton in, into, into Europe? You know, when you say that uh, now, uh, now that uh, so many years have, have gone by, I realize how big it was for the club. But uh, when, uh, for example, not only myself, let's say the other players like Yuri, Ivan, Fernando Hierro, uh, JJ, and all these guys, and um, they have played for uh, massive competitions. You know, for us, it was uh, okay. We, we qualified for Europe, but uh, now you realize how massive it was and it still is for the club, for the fans, for the community, for the history of the club, for uh, everybody involved in the club, uh, how big it was for the club. And uh, I can say that uh, it was massive for the club and uh, I hope one day, why not very, very soon to to leave something like this uh, in the near future for the club. Fingers crossed, that's what we hope for. Um, when you came to Bolton, Stelios, was it the most sort of ethnically diverse change room that you've been in, in terms of all the nationalities? I mean, you, you mentioned that there was a few sort of overseas players at Olympiacos. 
But at Bolton at that time, there were players from all over the world, weren't they? What was it like to be in a dressing room where there was so many different nationalities in there? Yeah, again, I didn't have any problem because uh, I was used to it uh, with Olympiacos. And especially when you play abroad, you play the Champions League, you play with your national team. Uh, you face uh, different nationalities all the time. So it doesn't give you any different picture. I think uh, the problem would be amongst the, the British players that uh, had to cope with uh, different nationalities. Because our, uh, my nationality and uh, the other nationalities are used to it. So it, it could be a little bit more difficult for the English guys uh, to, you know, to communicate and uh, have the team bond all together than us. I bet there was That's a tough time opinion. communicating to people like Nicky Hunt then, West Orton's finest. <laughs> no, Nicky Hunt, uh, you know, even if he couldn't uh, speak very good English, uh, <laughs> you could tell from his body language that uh, we, can, we could understand each other very, very well. And, uh, I, I hope... And by the way, I hope to Nicky Hunt, he's, he's well, he's healthy, he keeps uh, at home safe and uh, away from nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do, the, the foreign player, Stelios, in that team, could you guys grasp the English language anyway at first or, or was there a lot of boys in the change room that, that couldn't speak English? Uh, I remember some uh, guys uh, having some uh, difficulties with uh, expressing himself, themselves. But, uh, you know, progressively and uh, week in, week out, month in, month out, uh, they were coming there, they were uh, communicating better. And uh, it's a matter of will, I should say. If you want, if you pushing yourself to, to learn the language, to let the local expressions and uh, get in the style, get in the, the habits, of the people that uh, you are living with. Uh, for example, when I see here in Greece a guy from England try to speak Greek, I will, you know, I will embrace him. I will uh, push him to to be better. To I, I love it, you know. I think it's the same uh, vice versa. Mm. Yeah, of course. The all five or six seasons, Telios, that was the season where Bolton having qualified for the UEFA Cup, actually played in the UEFA Cup. And you obviously scored against Marseille. What was it like to represent Bolton in Europe that season? I imagine, I weren't obviously at the games, but I imagine that, that Bolton were backed by a lot of fans wherever they went. Yes, I remember all these games, uh, especially the away games. They were uh, the perfect opportunity for the, for the fans to travel, to travel away to get uh, their picture, pictures taken uh, in the stadium, during the game, after the game, before the game. It was a perfect excursion for, uh, for them and uh, for their memories, for, uh, for their families, I should say. And uh, until today, I see, because I follow the, um, the official website, uh, the anniversaries of uh, this game, the anniversary of uh, Marseille away game, Atletico Madrid game, uh, Sporting Lisbon game, Victoria Guimarães game. Bayern Munich game, uh, all these games uh, away from home, uh, you know, uh, they are great memories for the, for the fans and for the players as well. Yeah, I was going to say, as much as it's special memories for the fans, for, for yourself to play in those games, it must have been uh, brilliant occasions. 
Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And uh, as you mentioned, the Marseille game, uh, and I scored that goal against uh, Barthez. I scored that goal because uh, I owed him uh, from the Olympiacos against the Man United Champions League game. So, because I missed an opportunity in that game, I scored uh, in that game for Bolton. So, I equalized my, my missing opportunities. <laughs> was that something in the back of your head when you were uh, going on the pitch? Then? Yes. Yes. yes <laughs> That's amazing. Um, that season as well, I mean, you scored twice against Arsenal. Did you like playing against Arsenal? This, this because was, you seem to be well against them. Yeah, this was one that I always stuck in my head, Stelios, because it seemed that against the big teams, you certainly turned up, just turned it up another notch. But Arsenal in particular, always like a night game or when it was freezing cold, you'd just go and score. I don't know, because freezing cold uh, was not my favourite. <laughs> uh, so maybe it was a coincidence uh, because I have scored against Chelsea away as well. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, we got beat uh, after that uh, 5-1. Uh, I have scored uh, against Man United away, but uh, it was disallowed as offside. But uh, it was not; it was never offside. Uh, but uh, you know, against Arsenal, maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it was. Uh, the type of play that uh, the type of game that uh, we played in these uh, particular games, uh, the preparation was there for, for for everybody. So it was not a coincidence, not only for myself, for the whole club to to achieve massive victories and uh, an FA Cup victory as well with a header of mine after a fantastic cross from uh, Bibi Gardner. Yeah, you, you scored. 14 goals that season, two for Greece and I believe 12 for Bolton. That must have been one of the most pleasing seasons of your time at Bolton. I mean, obviously 14, 12 goals for Bolton from midfield, from wide midfield, obviously a big achievement for you really. It is, yeah, it was. Obviously it was, but uh, again, it was a team effort. It's not only my effort. Uh, I was uh, the right place on the right time, as the big uh, Sam uh, was talking about myself when I scored the goal. But uh, in order to achieve that, uh, all the people, all the all the players on the pitch uh, have to perform well, have to close down when you lose possession, have to attack and uh, create when you have uh, the possession yourself. So it was a, a team a team effort, not. Uh, individual one. One from me, Stelios, about the, the European days. I mean, I know that you've played for Olympiacos, you've played at various stadiums around the world, but for Bolton going to the likes of Red Star or Belgrade, would it sort of intimidating or was, did you embrace that sort of uh, occasion to go and uh, project yourself onto the world stage? You know, for every player, it's, a, it's an extra motivation. When you you play um, in European competition, especially not only away from home, both home and away, it's uh, it's an extra extra boost and extra motivation for the player to to perform well, uh, not only for himself but for the club because uh, you don't represent only the club, you represent the country as well. So you represent uh, even uh, if I was Greek or uh, Spanish or whatever. You represent the English football, and uh, the mirror of English football uh, away from England is these type of games. 
So you need to perform uh, well uh, in any game. I've got a few questions for you, Selios. Before I'm going to talk about your relationship with the fans in a moment, but I've just got a few quick fire questions for you. I'm going to ask you what your favourite game you played in for Bolton is, your favourite goal for Bolton, and the best player you played with at Bolton. So we'll start off with the, your favourite game that you played in during your time at Bolton. What would you say that is? And My favourite hard. game, it's very, very hard because I have plenty of games, fantastic memories. Uh, I don't know when to, where to begin and where to end. You know, it's uh, how many, how many good, fantastic games that we had. Um, I will never forget uh, the four-nil uh, away victory against Everton in two thousand and five. Oh, scored twice, didn't you? I scored twice in that game. I cannot forget uh, Norwich at home uh, when I scored uh, the goal of the month. Yep, the world. <laughs> uh, I cannot forget um, the Arsenal games. As uh, we said before, uh, fantastic victories. Uh, I cannot forget, uh, even if we lost the final in Cardiff, and the fantastic support, unbelievable support that we had from the Bolton fans. It was almost uh, 40,000, 50,000, I think. Yeah. Unbe unbelievable. Uh, they turned up in, uh, in uh, thousands. Uh, I should say in millions, but uh, I say thousands. I bet it felt like millions on the pitch. It felt that millions, yes, exactly. So you touched on the Norwich goal there. I've, wrote, I've actually got the word Norwich wrote down here because it is a goal that springs to mind, a goal of yours that springs to mind. Would you say that's your favourite goal for Bolton or is there another goal in your head that perhaps is, ranks a bit higher than that? Uh, because it was voted the goal of the month from the Premier League, uh, I picked this one. I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it was a special goal, Stelios. Uh, the, the final question of these three quick-fire questions that I had is, and, and we asked Yori Jokayev the question as well, and, and his answer was Ivan Campo. He yeah. said it, it's, it's a tough decision, but he said he went for Ivan Campo. Who do you think yeah. is the best player you played with at Bolton? That's not Nicky Hum. <laughs> <laughs> Nicky Hum by far. <laughs> <laughs> So just back to that question then, Stelios, who would you say is the best player you played with at Bolton? Uh, again, uh, if I say one, uh, I will uh, let down the others. So I cannot uh, only say, for example, uh, JJ. I can say Ivan. I can say Elhats Diouf. I can say Fernando Hierro. I can say Nicolas Anelka. I can say Jussi Jeskelainen, Kevin Davis, uh, Ricardo Gardner. Uh, you know, all these players were uh, top, top players for myself. Uh, it's not only one. And uh, this is why we, we succeed with these guys. Because they were top level players, uh, international players. And uh, even Kevin Davis, he, he played uh, for England. Uh, Kevin Nolan, he played for uh, England under 21. So you take every single player from the first 11. Gary Speed, Talben uh, Haim, he signed for Chelsea. Uh, Gary Cahill, he signed for Chelsea. All these players are top class players. 
So it's hard to pick one, Stelios. It's hard to pick, and I forgot uh, Bruno and Gotti as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say there, Stelios, obviously it's hard for you to pick one. And a player that sprung to my mind was, even though he was only with the club for a year, the quality of Fernando Hierro, the career that he had, obviously played for Madrid, for captain Madrid for over a decade. Must be a fantastic player with him. Fernando Hierro was not a, only a fantastic player. He, was, he is, he still is a fantastic person. And I could uh, say an example. Uh, it's a perfect opportunity for me to, to mention an example. What happened to me, uh, I think, uh, three years ago. I was in uh, Madrid uh, to watch um, Real Madrid-Barcelona, uh, the Clásico. The Clásico that uh, Leo Messi scored uh, the winner and uh, he took off his shirt in the corner yeah. and showed the, the shirt in that game. So I was in the stadium. And uh, before the before the game, I try to I go to the to the gate to to check my ticket in order to get in. And uh, the ticket I got was fake. So I, it was myself, myself and my son. And uh, my son uh, started started crying, you know, outside the stadium because we couldn't we couldn't get in. And immediately I say, who? Who can I can I phone? I phone Ivan Campo or Fernando Hierro, and I try Fernando Hierro on the phone, and I say Fernando, it's hello, it's Telios, this blah blah, you know, I'm in the stadium, I try to get in, the, my ticket is fake, fake, so I cannot watch the game. <laughs> I flew all over from Greece, uh, you know, it's it was uh, very very tense, uh, you know, because it was only 20 25 minutes before the game, so he told me Telios. Hang up the phone. I will call you in five minutes. Uh, so I hang up the phone. He calls me less than two minutes, and he tells me, "Stelios, go to the to the main reception. There are two invitations waiting for you in my name." So I go to the main reception and says, "Fernando Hierro for Stelios Yanakopoulos, uh, two tickets." And this is the way I went into. I got into the game. Me and my son and. Uh, this is a small example of uh, Fernando Hierro's uh, character. He could ignore my phone, he could, uh, you know, he couldn't answer or uh, he could make an excuse. Uh, it's very late for this or that, but he managed to find me the two tickets that I desperately wanted to, to get in the game. So this is the type of character, example of uh, the type of character that uh, Fernando Hierro is. Fantastic awesome, guy. That's a fantastic story, that's Delios. Um, You've got a great relationship with the Bolton fans, haven't you? I mean, you got to go to the West Brom game away at the start of last season. That must have been special for you to sort of mingle with the fans again, because like I said there, you've got a fantastic relationship with them. Yes, I know, the, I know that I have a good relation for, with the fans, but uh, I didn't expect that to happen. It was uh, similar to the reception uh, we got from the Euros in. Uh, in Greece, <laughs> wow. you know, it's uh, before the game, in the halftime, uh, you know, in the uh, in the canteen that uh, you know most of them they were going to have a pint of beer or whatever. Uh, the touch that they have with uh, with the fans it's uh, unbelievable. It goes 
both sides, for myself as well, towards the fans. Uh, this relationship is uh, what remains for everything after your career is finishing, it finishes. These things, these are the valuable things that uh, matter to, uh, to, to the player. This relationship that uh, is still the same until the, now we're, st we're speaking. How did you find living in the area, Stelios? I believe, if my information is correct, that uh, your child was born during your time at Bolton. Is that right? Sorry, I didn't hear you. I just asked you there, um, how did you find living in the area? Because if my information is correct, you, one of your children was born in the area at the yes. time you played for the club. Yes. How did you find how did you find living in this part this part of England? You know, when you come from a south country like Greece, which is very very warm, very very sunny, the Greek cuisine is very very famous, and the Greek style of living the same as well. And you go to a north country which is not very very bright, and you know the the climate situation is not the same. And the everyday habits are totally different. You know, you need, you need some time to adjust. But um, if you go with a purpose, if you go with, uh, with a target uh, like uh, I did, for me, it was only a matter of time to adjust uh, to the English way of living, the English habits, the people, the relationships. Uh, I still have uh, and speak with a friend of, friends of mine. For example, I would like to say my hello to to Jill, my friend Jill, my neighbor, Jill Donahue, and uh, her family, uh, which uh, was always there for me when uh, I tried uh, to, to, to get familiar with the English type of living. She was always there for me and uh, her family to support me and my family, so I, I owe her and her family a lot. Was it difficult to leave? Bolton in 2008, Stelios. Imagine it was obviously Sam Allardyce had left the club. Gary Megson had come in as a new manager. Was it a case of you not being in his plans and you just being allowed to leave? Was that the situation? That is a very painful situation that uh, you mentioned. It's painful because uh, I never wanted uh, to leave the club. It was not in my intentions to leave the club. Even though I was not playing regular uh, in, my, in my last season for whatever reason, I don't mind. Uh, I was a professional. Uh, my, my focus and my, my everyday routine was there from uh, day one until the last day of my contract. And uh, even though I was not playing a lot, uh, when, I was, when I was asked from the manager to play, I, I not only I played, I scored uh, decisive uh, goals that uh, kept uh, the, the club in the, in the Premier League. And uh, I think this, even this, didn't uh, got a good evaluation uh, from the club, not from the club, from the manager. And uh, I didn't continue to the club I loved. Simple as that. So then obviously... You had to leave a club that you didn't have to. That, sorry, that you didn't want I to. I didn't leave. want. I did. I never wanted. I never wanted. But uh, in football and in your life, uh, you cannot get everything uh, as you have planned. Exactly. You know, life is uh, life is difficult. 
so is football. So you need to accept uh, how life comes and need uh, you adapt uh, to the new reality. So I had to adapt uh, and realize that uh, my time for the club, even I didn't want, has uh, come to an end. And uh, I have to, to plan my, my next move. And then your next move was another English team, Hull City. But you only played three times during your time at Hull. Why was that? Was it, was it injuries? Were you not in the manager's plans? What was the situation uh, there? No, I had, uh, I had a couple of injuries that uh, got me back. And the moment uh, I wanted to get into, I was ready to go into the, the first team. I had a slight uh, injury that uh, got me back again. And that was the moment that uh, I decided that, uh, you know, we footballers are very, very superstitious. Uh, that something is, not, something is not there, something is missing, something is not uh, adding correctly, you know, like a puzzle. And uh, I, felt the, the, I felt the need that uh, I needed a, a change to, to something different, to something uh, with different approach, I should say in the game, in the style of playing. And uh, because I didn't find uh, what I wanted uh, in England, because I wanted to stay in England, uh, I got back in Greece and signed for uh, Larissa for one year. That was my last uh, of my career. Yeah, so you signed for Larissa in 2009 after leaving Hull. Like you said there, did you want to stay in England or, or was the plan from the beginning always to go back to Greece and finish your playing career there? No, the original plan uh, was to finish my career either in, uh, to Bolton or only Piakos. These are my big loves in uh, my career, uh, Olympiacos and uh, Bolton. Uh, I played for Olympiacos for seven years. I played for Bolton for five years. Totally is uh, 12 years of uh, brilliant football, uh, brilliant moments, fantastic bond uh, with the fans, with both teams. Obviously now I, I still get the, the love because I live uh, here in Greece and I get the love from the Olympiacos fans all the time. Uh, when I visit Bolton, I get the love of the Bolton fans all the time. So my dream was to finish my career either to Bolton or Olympiacos. But it didn't happen, unfortunately. But that's football. Exactly, that's football, Stelios. Is there anything in your career that you regret, or is there no regrets whatsoever? Not whatsoever, should I say? No, the only thing I, I regret is that uh, I left England to continue my career, my football career, to to Greece. Uh, I had a couple of um, proposals, very good financial, uh, financially as well, proposals to go to the championship. But, uh, you know, maybe I was too arrogant, uh, I have to admit. Uh, I didn't want uh, to play championship uh, football. I wanted to play premier football. And uh, with Larissa, even though I got back uh, to a league that has nothing to do with, uh, even with the championship, it was a team that uh, was going and pushing for, uh, for European promotion. And finally, we accomplished European promotion with uh, Larissa. And, uh, you know, in this uh, situation, I valued more uh, my pleasure as a footballer than uh, my pocket, I should say. Mm. So I, I decided to go more with my emotion, 
done with my financial uh, bank statement, I should say. <laughs> Which were the championship clubs that were taking an interest in you, Stelios, at that time? Uh, it was uh, Sheffield United. Yeah. And uh, I, rem- I think Leeds. Leeds, maybe. Yeah. Just saying there, Stelios, the, the last section of your career, the most recent section after you finished playing, um, you went to management, I believe, uh, with Paniliakos and then Kifitia, and then obviously spent time on the coaching staff with with the national team. How 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 did you find your time in management so far in coaching? Yes, uh, when I finished my career, I served um, for a couple of years uh, the Greek PFA uh, as a chairman. And uh, at the same time, I was uh, doing my coaching badges. And uh, finally, after four years, I got uh, the UEFA Pro license, which is the the top license a manager can get uh, in order to to get into professional football. So I had my run with uh, two small club uh, clubs in uh, third division, and. Uh, the big step in my career so far was uh, the assistant manager of the Greek uh, national team. It was uh, last year. Uh, and uh, at this moment of time, I'm looking for my next destination uh, in my career uh, in, uh, in coaching. How did you find your time with the national team? What, what's the current state of, of Greek football? Is it, are there promising talents in the team there? Or what, what is the team like at the moment, the national team? Uh, I could say now it's like a transition time in uh, the Greek national team. Uh, of course, the big names are there. The big personalities uh, are there. They're playing in uh, big clubs, in big leagues, with big contracts. But uh, the thing is missing is the, the team spirit and the, and the results. So, and from this, it's very perfect example uh, to go back in the interview and see what uh, made us so successful. So it was not only the big names and personalities and the characters. <clears throat> you need to build uh, a good dressing room as well in order to to proceed to the games and uh, take the maximum uh, of points from the games in order to to escalate in the in the in the competitions and uh, be present in the big events so this is the issue that uh, the national team faces uh, these days obviously they have a new manager from uh, from Holland uh, so he's trying to to build uh, the team spirit, uh, the team belief uh, from the from the scratch, in order to make this team successful uh, again. So it's not very easy, but at the same time, uh, it's not very difficult. Uh, it's challenging, and uh, I hope uh, the team and the manager to achieve their uh, their goals as soon as possible, because the Greek football uh, has to be there in the big events, in the big. Uh, you know, Euros and the World Cups. You mentioned big personalities and big characters there when you were talking about the Greek national team. Who were the biggest personalities and characters in the dressing room when you were at Bolton? Sorry, the biggest? The biggest? 
the biggest personalities and the biggest characters when you were at Bolton? Maybe the loudest in the, in the national team or in the national team or in the yeah. in my career at Bolton when you were at Bolton. I think all the all the all the guys that I mentioned before uh, in the interview when you asked me about who is the best, all these players that I mentioned, Yusi, uh, Bruno, Fernando, Ivan, uh, Nobi, Davo, uh, JJ. Uh, uh, Candela, I, I, we forgot uh, Vincent Candela. He will come. He came from Roma. Uh, Nicolas Anelka, Elhad Stuf. Everybody played a massive role. Every everybody played uh, their part, and uh, everybody together we we made uh, this club successful, so successful, and uh, managed to play twice in Europe. So it was not a coincidence that. Uh, these uh, these players with this manager and this backroom staff all together we with the fans as well don't forget the fans we had the fantastic support uh, every home game was uh, the Reebok Stadium was full of uh, 28,000 people 27,000 28,000 so it's fantastic memories if you if you put yourself in my in my socks in my shoes you can understand how it's not only my feeling, I think it's the same feeling for all these uh, era players that uh, we played uh, alongside. And uh, I would like to, to say a special mention to, to Gary Speed as well, even uh, if uh, he is not with us anymore. And uh, Eddie Davis as well, even if uh, he's not with us anymore. Uh, they played a fantastic and big role in the, in the club's history. Massive. Absolutely. Yes, Delios, a special time, a very, very special time for Bolton Wanderers Football Club. I just think, Celos, is it true that you, uh, in your, uh, after your career finished, you went into being a firefighter for a small time? No, this is, a, this is an honorary position that uh, the Greek government uh, gave us when we won the Euros. So oh, it's, uh, like a, it's like a custom. Uh, in Greece, so when you have a massive success in sports, the Greek uh, government uh, congratulates you and uh, halutes you with uh, such an uh, appointment. So right. it's an honorary position, it's not a full-time job. I understand. Yeah, just finally then, Stelios, uh, an opportunity for you to say something to the fans. If you've got a message for them, then now's the time to, to give it. You know, my, my message to the fans, uh, I cannot express uh, enough my, my feelings uh, for them. I love them. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, even though now the, the team is not uh, in, uh, in the Premier League and they're struggling in the lower divisions, I hope uh, the, new, the new management, the new owners of the club, the football ventures. Uh, I hope uh, to to find a way and uh, in the proper with the proper investment, with the proper uh, dream and uh, drive to find the, the right people to to put uh, the club back on track. Because uh, these fans and the history of the club 
demands uh, to play in a higher leagues and especially demands to play in the Premier League. Uh, I think now Bolton Wanderers is a sleeping giant and uh, somebody has to come in and awake that big giant in order to step on in the Premier League uh, once more. Brilliant. Fantastic, Delios. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. The pleasure was mine. All the very best for you and your family.